And again, I'm just thrilled to be able to, to share uh, life together with our friend, Scotty Grulet. Would you give him a welcome today as he comes to give us the word of God? I love you, man. I love you, too. I love you more. I love you more. I love you most. How many of you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul? Come on, stand up to your feet and tell the Lord how much you love him. Come on. Come on, Revival! Somebody shout, Revival! Look at your neighbor and say, it's been good. High five somebody. Tell them, you look good. Tell someone else, do you feel good? It's been an honor to be here. I uh, love my friends, Pastor Tom and Shelby. How many of you love your pastors? They're wonderful, been having a great time. I think I gained 10 pounds during the revival. Fellowshipping. <laughs> All right, so we have talked about a lot of things, and what I, what I feel in my spirit is to uh, talk to you about what's going to happen after revival. Uh, revival's not over. Just because it ends doesn't mean it's over. Come on, somebody say something. Uh-huh. Just because it stops doesn't mean it stops. Just because it might not be going every night doesn't mean it's not going every night. Revival is a choice. Revival happened for days. It started a month ago, and then you went a whole week in revival. For those of you that weren't here, uh, my name is Scotty Grulet. I've been married to my wife, just celebrated 34 years last Saturday. 34 years. I have eight grandchildren. I am 52 years old. I just stopped dyeing my hair a year and a half ago. I was a Just for Men supporter. And my wife said, you got grandkids. You need, I like the silver. You need to let it out. And I said, but I look like a skinny Santa Claus. My little red nose and cheeks and stuff. That's okay. Um, I've been in ministry just as long, full time. We went over a lot of things this week, and if you, they're, they're working on your live stream, and they captured every night, and if, if by chance you had to work certain nights and couldn't make it here and there, and you made it to a few, or you made it to all of them, either way, I really want to encourage you that once they get everything all locked in, like they captured it, like it's there. Like the, what we talked about with the viper on Wednesday night, the snake bite. How many of you, someone say, shake it off. Shake it off. Come on, shout it like you shouted it Wednesday night. One, two, three. Shake it off. You're going to have to shake it off. Shake it up, baby, now. Come on, somebody. It's, when revival's not over in you, you're going to have to deal with things later. So I want to talk about some of the tests that are going to come. Because how many of you remember when you were in school, uh, when you were taking a test, you could never go, uh, Miss Smith, could you come help me with number seven? She would go, shh, take the test. Come on, somebody. Because the teacher is always silent during a test. Always silent during a test. And I can tell you times when uh, Jamie and I had thousands of youth in our youth ministry. Our, our first youth ministry blew up to 800. 
And then I ended up being the International Foursquare Youth Pastor, assistant to Greg Johnson. And Jack Hayford became my spiritual father. And then I ended up at Casey Treat's church. And then I ended up at Mike Hayes' church and built two of the greatest youth centers in America. And they were blowing up with thousands of kids. And in every season of doing great things for God and God doing amazing things in young people's lives, and in 33 years, I've traveled the world and almost 1.3 million young people have come forward in altar calls in 33 years. Somebody needs to shout and thank the Lord. I'm not bragging. The Bible says if you boast, boast in the and so it's been, the, it's been a wonderful journey, but on this whole journey, there's these tests, and it seems like every time you take a test, the teacher is silent. So you might have noticed this week, because I wore short sleeves, and I, I wore vests, and I, it's because we've been fellowshipping so much, I can't button those vests right now. I tried to put a vest on this morning, not happening with nine or ten pound gain going on, but... Uh, <laughs> um, if you have that image from the other night, my friend put an image up, um, in, in, if you have it in color, that's one of the most, I have tattoos on my leg, on my back, I did not come here to talk to you about tattoos, I came here to set the stage for you to launch into the days when there aren't revival meetings, but you are a revivalist, come on somebody, I want to know if there are any history makers in this room. That's like, that's like a golf clap. Come on, somebody. How many of you are history makers in this room? You might say, I'm all shouted out. I almost lost my voice, and uh, I couldn't even go ride in Harleys with, with, with Todd because I said, I can't go ride by the river in 45 degrees yesterday. Come on, somebody, because I'm a, I'm a lizard. <laughs> I live in Tucson, Arizona. And, and, um, so put that image back up. I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to talk to you about tattoos. I want to talk to you that after revival, and when I say after, I don't mean it's over, um, and my tattoos all have meaning. Uh, for those of you that are looking at me, maybe like, hey, I don't know you, you know, don't, if you have tattoos, aren't you going to hell? You're in the wrong church if you believe that. Come on, somebody. Um, I had seven fathers. My mom was married five times. I got to tell the new people here that might have missed revival, seven dads. Me and my siblings, hurt, devastated, beaten. I was molested. My story's just crazy. To still be married 33 years later after those generational curses were stacked against me. The Bible says, uses the phrase issues of blood with the woman at the well. That phrase issues of blood also translates out generational curses. We all got issues that produce tissues. We all got junk in our trunk. I need someone to hand what are you going to do with all that junk in your trunk? Some of the adults are like, what is that? Y'all all know. You've heard the song. We all got issues that produce tissues, and mine was generational curses against my marriage. My dad was married five times. The last lady he divorced, her name was Beth. He divorced her and married her older sister, Helen. Someone say, that's jacked up. But I'm still married to the same woman 33 years later, still married with three full-grown children. My son is a youth pastor at Gregory Dickow's Life Changers International. My other son is a youth pastor in Syracuse, New York. And my daughter's the worship pastor and youth pastor at my church. They're all serving God. How did that happen? 
How? Come on, somebody. How did that happen? I didn't think God could use me. I told the crowds this week because I was a hoe. And I'm not talking about a ground-moving instrument for everybody in this room. Uh, I'm not, not a hoe. A hoe. And I met my wife. And she introduced me to Jesus. And when Jesus fills the hoe in your soul, you ain't a hoe no more. All the former hoes should be shouting right now. Come on, somebody. See, no one's going to shout. Because we don't want anyone to know. When Jesus shows up at revival, when the authentic Jesus shows up, then the authentic you fleshes up. When the real Jesus shows up in a church service and at revival like this, then the real Jesus in the real you shows up because the authentic Jesus shows up. And when the authentic Jesus shows up, the fictional you will show up. And the fictional you and me has to be dealt with, and this is why we worship. Come on, somebody. So... I had to break these things in my mind. It's a perfect picture of sort of what the brain would look like if your skull is open. That's a real tattoo. All over the back of his head if you could see the whole thing. And I want you to write in your notes to be careful not to be inked on your brain. Title it tests. Title it renew your mind. Title it Change, I need to change my mind. But we can look at people with tattoos and think, oh my gosh. And they tell a story on their canvas, okay? But Christians and believers get inked on their mind. Be careful after revival ends, but it still continues inside of all of you in this church. And it, God might call, cause you to do it again in a month or, or just three nights or two nights or a, or a Sunday night. But you and me as leaders and as Christians, as moms and dads, we have to deal with the ink on our brain, the stain on our brain, the stinking thinking. Oh, come on. The stinking thinking that happens. And Jesus said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, sistren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable base or beginning service. That's what that phrase means. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed, where we get the word metamorphosis or metamorpho, by be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what that good, perfect, acceptable will of God is. How many of you want the perfect will of God in your life? Good and acceptable is awesome too, but the perfect will of God, we got all these stains on our brains and we got this, the, the, these needles that have gone down in deep to our heads that cause us to think, I'm not a revivalist. God can't use me. We had over 100 people respond for healing. A bunch of them got up on the stage and talked about their healing. Others came up and cornered me and told me, I'm going straight to the doctor. I'm going to get this report. I feel like I'm healed. Pastor had them come up there. It was beautiful. Wasn't it awesome the other night? Come on, somebody. Come on. Shout if you're thankful for healings. And I just got a word from the Lord. I started talking about healing. And, and pastors been preaching amazing. And we can hear all of this and still go out and believe. You know what? I'm going to die of cancer because my grandmammy's, my mom's mother's mom's mom's mom had breast cancer, so I'm going to get it too. We need to tell hell to shut up. Hell is not 
just a place. Hell has a voice. And that voice continues to affect each generation's choices. The voices that influence our choices are the same voices that told two spies from each tribe. Warriors. They're like special force, pararescue, Green Beret, Navy SEALs of that day. They didn't pick the wimps or the people that couldn't do it. They went in to spy out the land. When they all came back, picture this. 20-foot poles this big shoved through grapes this big and pomegranates that big. And they walk up to Moses carrying the fruit of the land that flows with milk and honey. Moses is so busy licking his lips. Come on, somebody. Moses is sitting there licking his chops going, oh, my. What say you? And they start talking, and they say, we saw the sons of Anak there. We saw giants. They were so big, we could never overcome. We saw walls so tall and so fortified that there is no way that we can possess the land. Another tribe said, we are weenies in our, come on, somebody. We are wimps. What do you mean? They actually used the word grasshoppers. They were saying, we are small. Who told them that they were small when they just saw waters open come on somebody pillar of fire a cloud by day manna from heaven chick-fil-a was falling in the day come on somebody manna from god water coming out of a rock god met them along the way the whole time and now they're going we are not able we can't cross over. We can't accomplish. The giants are too big. We saw giants. And Joshua and Caleb, Moses is still looking at the fruit going, what? I want some of that. Come on, somebody. Someone say, I want some of that. Come on, revivalists. Say, I want some of that. How many of you want some of that? Give the Lord a praise and a shout and a clap. I want some of that. But to get there, you got to renew your mind. We're grasshoppers. Who told them they were small? The same dude that knows your grandpa's grandpa's grandpappy's grandpappy's grandpappy. The same enemy that thinks he has right or claim to the second, third, and fourth generation unto even in your family that far. The, you know the guys on TV, the lady with the long nails and all the people that call themselves, you know, they read, you know, the readings on TV, Jonathan Edwards, not the Christian revivalist, but the Jonathan Edwards on TV and the, the Judy lady with the big nails and the person that reads people's, you know, lives and futures and palm readers and all this stuff that's on television now. It's a perverted gift to the Old Testament seeing gift, which is called prophecy. And it's perverted because they want money. Simon the sorcerer said, I want that. I want some of that. How much do I got to pay for it? The dude's like, you can't pay for this. Come on, somebody. You can't pay for a revival. You couldn't buy what happened this week. You, and even if you miss some of the nights or all the nights, and you, God is still moving because he's moving in your church, this revival is not going to stop. Oh, my God, pastor. This revival is not going to stop. It's in you. They're mine. They're my, they, we're small. You have to tell the voices that have been telling you for so long, you can't, you're not able, 
you're nothing, you're nobody. You have to tell the voices that say you're depressed, you're suicidal, kill yourself. You have to tell the voices that say nobody loves you, nobody cares. You have to tell the voices that say nobody's interested. You have to tell the voices that say you won't ever amount to anything. You got to tell the voices that say you can't go back to school if you're older. You got I don't remember, you know what I learned in math. You got to tell the voices that say you can't start that business. You got to tell the voices that say you are not worthy. You got to tell the voices that say you're not saved. You got to tell the voices that say you're not born again. You're not healed. You got to tell those voices. You need to stop. Oh my God. You need to stop and look at the devil and you need to say, thank you devil for blessing me. He's going to go, huh? You told me I'm not saved. You're the father of lies from the beginning. So I must be saved. Come on, somebody. Flip the switch in your mind and get the stain off your brain. Too many Christians are tattooed in their mind and they're losing their mind. You got to tell those voices to shut up. You got to tell hell, shut up. I listen to one voice. I am a sheep. I know my shepherd. I know the voice of Jesus, and I will not follow another. Someone say, just say it with an attitude. Shut up. I can see you in the middle of Walmart or Home Depot going, shut up. People like, oh, no, not you. Not you. I can see you when you're, the enemy's saying that you, you can't build a home or you can't ever fix your credit rating and, and, and the damage is unrepairable and you just going, shut up in the name of Jesus. You need to stand there and lick your chops. Come on, somebody. Mm, my credit score. You need to see the grapes and the pomegranates. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones. The only two warriors in special force, it says they had a different spirit. Just like Daniel, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Esther, just like, just like Deborah, the warrior woman. The, Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. Someone say a different spirit. I see people in this church that have a different spirit. Did it happen at Revival? Or did it happen in your bedroom when you were younger or at camp or whatever on a mission trip? It happened sometime in your life. That different spirit came on you. Joshua and Caleb were so different. They looked at Moses and they rent their clothes and they said, we are well able. And Moses going, yeah, that's the fruit and vegetation from the land that flows with milk and honey. I don't care what the rest of you guys say. I'm with these guys. Come on, somebody. Don't follow the nominal masses. Nominal Christianity is not healthy, but follow the phenomenal few. Don't be one of the people that would say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and then one week later say, hey, give me that rapist and that murderer, kill that guy. Seven days later. That's funky Christianity. That's funky religion. I never follow the nominal masses. I will only follow the phenomenal few. 
Many are going to enter into destruction and hell. Broad and wide is the way that leads to hell. And many are going to enter therein. I didn't say it. It's in the red. And Jesus said straight and narrow is the way that leads to heaven. And few are going to enter therein. Now, few means millions over all these years. But in comparison, the, 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 the ones that aren't going to be going, the ones that chose against Christ, are it's ginormous. And revivalists make a difference in the world. I'm asking if, I, if there are any disciples in this room today. Come on. So we want to pray for you uh, in, in just a few minutes. I want you to deal with this stuff the way that we need to deal with it. The process of a tattoo is ink is injected in the layers of the skin. Just listen. Put it up for a second. We're almost done. Through multiple needles moving at a high rate of speed, injecting ink into the skin and the blood at the same time, and uh, that's how it works. But I wanted to bring a word today about watching out for the devil's tattoos on your mind. The devil wants to permanently ink you to where, and then he reminds you of your past. How many of you know we need to step up and tell him to shut up? <laughs> tell him, I'll remind you of your future. Talk to the hand, because the face don't under... Come on, somebody. Remember that one? I was in a store shopping. My wife was across the store but could hear me. And this, 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 this lady was shopping across from me at the same area. And she walked over to me, and she told me what she wanted to do with me. And I was like... At first, my flesh went, good God, in the hot tub. Good God. I wasn't doing that by my flesh at first. My wife is beautiful. And this lady was also, and she's like, told me, this is what I want to do in the hot tub. It was like a Joseph moment. In my flesh, I could tell it was reacting like, good God, in the hot tub. Oh. And my wife was looking like, what, what's that lady doing talking to you? But my, it was a nanosecond that my flesh was like, you know, your flesh, your flesh doesn't want to be at revival. Your flesh doesn't want to worship. The Bible says in Galatians that your flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit to the flesh. And it does not like you raising your hands. Your flesh does not like you to eat healthy. Your flesh does not like you to be to church on time. Your flesh doesn't even, if you let your flesh sleep, it will sleep forever. And then we feel all funky, huh, when we get up in the flesh. You, we've slept too much. Like, feel worse than I did before I went to bed. The flesh hates revival. The flesh hates the things of the spirit, and they are contrary one to the other. So my flesh for a nanosecond was like, whoa, hey, I still got it. You know what I'm, come on. Hey, hey. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't have any movement. I, but in my flesh, it was like, hey. I've been happily married, haven't touched my family. All the divorces and all of my siblings, they've all been divorced twice, six of them. One of them, my baby brother's only been divorced once. He's trying to get back together with his wife because I'm pushing him and I'm ministering him. I've led half my family to the Lord. I still got half to go. Come on, somebody. But they've watched my life for a long time. And they used to call me Jimmy Swagger, you know. And he was an anointed man of God, you know. But after he fell, they called me Jimmy. You're just Jimmy Swagger. And I'm like, What? Then back to the clothes, and I just froze for a nanosecond going, 
that lady just asked to do that. Something in my spirit rose up, and I would never recommend this, but what came out of my mouth? <laughs> Loud. It was at the buckle. I like to shop at the buckle. I yelled, Whore of Babylon! Whore of Babylon! I, I could not believe it. My wife goes, What's going on over here? And that lady goes, Did you just call me a whore? I said, A Babylon. That's like a, in the Bible kind of whore. And that lady got so mad. She the manager's my friend. She couldn't believe it. She was shopping, going to spend a lot of money. I'm like, I don't care. I spend more money than her in here. She told me what she wanted to do in the hot tub in my flesh. I told the manager in front of my flesh. They're like, whoa, good God, in the hot tub. I was having a war for a nanosecond. But because God's call is on your life, I would not recommend for that to come out of you. It helps nobody, but it helped me. Come on, somebody. Another time I was in the bank, and this girl, who my wife wasn't there, but my administrator was, and I was working for Casey at the time, and I was, I was doing some stuff with uh, finances for the youth ministry, and the administrator of the church was there, and this girl came out who I knew was divorced three times, and I knew she just went through a third divorce. She got next to me and told me what she would, I've seen you coming in, but I had dark hair then, spiky blonde tips, and looked a lot younger, but I was still a skinny Santa Claus with a cool hairdo. And she spoke in my ear, and I took my wedding band off. It was a gold one that I made our wedding bands. When we were younger, I had a friend that had a gold shop in Roswell, New Mexico. I was raised in Roswell, New Mexico, where the aliens landed. That's what's wrong with me. I got abducted by the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. But I took my wedding band off, and I stuck it on her nose. My spirit reacted. I took my wedding band off, and I stuck it on her nose. My wife wasn't there. The administrator of Casey's church was like, what the hecketh is going on it? And she froze as I stuck that, my gold wedding band, the first wedding band I ever made. And I haven't been at Casey's for over 17, 18 years now. But I stuck it on her nose. And I said, this means more to me than fleeting moments with you. Come on, somebody. I said, this is the administrator of our church. He saw everything. Come on, somebody. And I looked at her and I said, I've been married a long time. And I, I've had relationship with my wife for a long time. And, and, I, I, and all, oh, amazing feelings being together physically. Come on, I'm being, trying to talk in hieroglyphics because there's a few kids in here. Everyone say, oh, amazing. amazing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But I said it to her in front of him. I'll never trade my destiny. For that feeling, and I've had lots of those feelings in marriage because of intimacy, but I will not trade my destiny for that feeling. Come on. That's how you have to, it's got to come out of you. Gatorade stole it from God. It's in you. Nike stole it from God. I wore my tennis shoes the other night that I got, I'm friends with the designer of the tennis shoes of Jordan's shoes. He always Good friends. He's actually a worship leader. Plays the keyboard. The designer of the shoes. So those shiny ones I had on, the leather ones the other day. He sends me shoes. Pastor's like, I want a pair of those. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and that guy said when Nike, 
because he worked for Nike and then Jordan. He said when Nike established its corporation, they went to the Bible, pulled the Greek word for Nike is Nikaion. And Nikaion, Nike, means super abundantly, hyperly, hyper victorious. And they took the swoosh and became super abundantly victorious. They took it from God. Craftsman tools, seers, craftsman tools. They took that from God, from his word in the Hebrew. I wonder what we could take from God because like I said the other night, the potential inside of us of what you can do for the kingdom of God. How powerful is it? Come on, somebody. How powerful is the potential inside of you? Tell hell to shut up. You're never going to find the right person. You're never going to shut up. You can never get out of that lifestyle. Shut up in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You know, like fifth element. Jackie Chan. I can't understand the words coming out your mouth. Remember the movie? I cannot understand the words coming out your mouth. We got to look at the devil and do that. Come on, somebody. Right? Freedom! Braveheart. Come on, somebody. I like movie quotes. I love them. I've been in my worst moments in 33 years and had to shout on the name of Jesus. Who are you in Christ? What has God said? I'm going I'm to I'm cut it right here. I'm not going to, I don't need to go any further. I feel the Holy Spirit, and we need the time before we go this half an hour to lay hands on people. Put the image back up. I know some of you don't have tattoos, don't believe in tattoos, and hate needles. I was a diabetic. I got healed. 60 pounds down, nine up. <laughs> This week, <laughs> worship team, come on out. But I lost 60 pounds riding my pedal mountain bike 25 miles a day, five days a week with no medication. God told me you will be healed. The medication my doctor tried to put me on was the one that was killing men. And they removed it off the shelf. I'm the one that took the article to him. He goes, oh, sorry. They want to give you a pill. But then you're going to lose your bowels and you can't pee later. Come on, somebody. They want the, the drug industry wants you. They are calculating billions and billions of dollars just like Apple iPhones and technology. They know what it will cause and even death, and they patent that thing for 10 years. Then you see that same thing on the commercials with the law offices. If you took this and you lost your hearing, your sight, you can no longer function with your husband or, or come on, somebody. You, you can't, your bowels are, are horrible now, and now you have anxiety. If it caused these things, please call the law offices of so-and-so and so-and-so because you might win some money. They calculate it. I'm not saying medication can't help people. As the worship team starts playing, and Pastor and I and Bob and uh, Rod Bregado and some of the Todd and the team, where 
today can you go? I'm going to get that ink off my brain. Now they can remove tattoos. It's painful. You get redder. But God had to take off my brain the jail. Can I tell you this one last story and then we're going to pray? My dad, one night we were asleep. My siblings were in their room. It was just before I got saved. It's a true story. I only speak the truth and prophesy anyways. I heard my mom screaming, and when I came out of my bedroom, I told you about the single water bed that I had and the dream I had, how I got saved. Well, on this night, just before I got born again, my mom came running down the hallway, and I opened my door, and I'm a big guy. I'm a wrestler. I'm a football player. I was a state wrestler. And uh, as she ran by me, I saw blood running down the side of her face. I looked down at my dad, and my dad had her pigtail. She always put her hair in pigtails or back in one, but she had them in two that night. I saw my dad standing there. He had ripped her pigtail out of her head. This is the same father that gave me porn. I talked to you about the other night. As a young man, here's how you learn. He gave me magazines and VHS. Just don't tell your mom. Wrecked my life, but I saw this moment, and she ran by me. And then he ran after her, and I ran for my siblings, and I hid them. And I said, do not move until cops are here. I went in the living room. My dad was on top of my mother beating her with a bowling trophy. They were very good bowlers, like amateur, almost pro. I was raised in a bowling alley. I can throw down a 250 to a 300 sometimes, and I'm very happy that I was raised there. And everything was coming to a conclusion on that, that, that night. I'm standing there. I'm shocked. I'm scared. I'm a little nervous. This thing went on my brain. And of that moment, my dad picked my mom up by her private area and her neck. And he ran and he threw her up against the wall. And all I saw was blood from all the beatings down the wall. And she was out. So what did, what did I think had happened? I thought she died. It was nothing but blood. I ran out in the front yard, had my class ring on. My mom had gotten it for me early. I'm 16 years old and almost four months. And I call my father to task. He comes outside stumbling. He was evidently on something. And I beat my father so badly. He still has a scar from here to here from that day. Everything that had happened to me from him came out of me for what he did to my mother. When the cops came and the neighbors were already outside, who do you think they thought did it? My mom was in a coma for a few weeks. I went to juvie, jail, I'm facing, I thought she was dead, I didn't know. I didn't know where she went. When she came to, of course, she told them it wasn't my son, it was my husband, and I got out. But I already knew that all the, all the stuff, all the damage had been done. Two years ago, going to Sturgis, I drove through. My father lives in New Mexico. He's remarried, like I told you, to that other woman, the woman's sister. Her name is Helen. I called her and I said, can you have my fa- father meet me and my wife at Golden Corral? I love Golden Corral. I eat everything in sight. But they lose money on me. <laughs> I'm just exercising a lot. 
we met, my father came, and in front of my wife, I asked him to admit what he had done. And he did. He broke, he wept. When I talked to you about forgiveness the other night and that story and that revelation of when Jesus is answering Peter's question of seven times, shall I forgive my brother who sins against me seven times? He goes, not. And he's talking, teaching them on agreement. Rod, listen to this, what I shared with all of you. Jesus is like, when you read the words and the verbiage, there's irritation. It's in the indicative form, which means that's a fact. When you study out the verbs, it means Jesus is talking about agreement. And Peter's asking, how often should I forgive my brother? It's a little, it's a little bit uh, in an accusative case. It's got to be nominative, dative, or accusative. And I know some of you remember grammar. And so Jesus is a little irritated, and it's in the indicative form. And he turns to him and says, I say unto you, not seven times a day, but 70 times seven. I live this with my family and my father because Jesus was saying, it's you that relives it. Not someone offending you 50 times a day or seven times a day. Because if someone hurts you 150 times, say, they're slicing you and dicing you. You would walk away from that person. You're never my friend anymore. You hurt me too much. So no one really hurts you and offends you 490 times a day but yourself. I have relived that moment from when I met my wife, when I got saved, when I went to Bible college, started being a youth pastor. All the way, and I'm preaching, and, but forgiveness is so hard for people. One guy last night held up his hands and put everything that his baby's mom has done to him. He cannot see his child. He was right up here. I gave him that revelation I gave y'all that night. I said, put it all. Ten years he hasn't been able to see his daughter, Kayla. He put it all inside of there. And then I said, we didn't do this the other day. I said, I, I want you to release it. Just throw it up like that because your hate is holding back your harvest. The minute I forgave my dad, I thought I had. But when you see them, you're like, you're invisible to me. Come on, somebody. When you see people from other churches or hurts or things that you've been through, uh, even locally, thank God. God, Marlando was here the other night. Come on, somebody. Wasn't that beautiful seeing your pastor and him stand? I need a big amen right there. Standing together. And I told Marlando, isn't it going to be wonderful when you have Pastor Tom come and exhort the people and do the offering word over there and exhort them and edify them? And Marlando goes, yesterday I got him a birthday present, you know. And I got him a gold watch because it looked really good on him. And, then, and he said, it's funny you should say that because that's what we were talking about. Come on, somebody. This brother right here, my friend Rob Brigado said, the Bible says that we're blessed when we walk in unity. Revival caused that, or someone's obedience did. Come on. Back to the story. My, my dad, I asked him to, he asked me to forgive him. And then we went back this year to stop through and see him. I put a picture up at our church of my real father. People began to weep and stand up clapping because they've heard the stories of the generational curses. I didn't know if I could be a, a good dad. Who is going to teach me to be a good dad? I didn't know if I could be a good husband. And my children, all three, call me a phenomenal dad. They use phenomenal. You know, hold on, hold on, don't clap yet. I don't know. And God spoke to me and he said, be like my son. He had an adopted father. But be like my son, and the heavens will open up. And what we all as men want to hear, right? 
well when he said when the heavens open up and God's voice came from heaven and said this is my son don't we all want to hear that from God I didn't hear that from my dad he said this is my son what's the next one in whom I'm well pleased I never heard that from my dad that I was pleasing to him and then the one men really want to hear come on wives is listen ye to him come on somebody we want to be listened to right for men, love is spelled S-E-X. For women, love is spelled T-I-M-E. We're so different. No one taught me, but God said, be like my son. I was like, okay. So after Bible college, I shut down reading the black. I wouldn't read a black letter in the Bible for one day, one minute. For four years, I only read the red. Only the red. And I love the Bible. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just the red. Four years. And God showed me how I became a good father, a husband, and, and a leader and a pastor is by being a good son. Yeah. All the enemy wants men to think is that we're not good sons. And there's fractured relationships in here with dads. And some dads perished or died or gave their lives in battle. And so I want to pray for you. That ink was on my brain before I ever got one tattoo. My brain was marked. We, we, I was such a hoe, I told them in revival that it was orgies and stupidity. What they call swingers and uh, Tupperware parties back then was just bad in our generation. And God filled the hole in my soul. So I'm not that Scotty. And for 33 years plus dating her, I've never touched another woman, and God has radically changed my life. I never molested my kids. I never did, because I used to think, would I do something like that? Is my brain so fractured? And we think these thoughts of unworthiness and hurt. How about this one, shame and blame? How about the guilt trips and the feelings of unworthiness? I'm trying to get all of, all of you to lock in somewhere so we can pray on the Sunday of this revival. What about the game the enemy plays with you? The shame, the blame, the guilt trips, the unforgiveness, even forgiving ourselves. I'm going to count to three. And please do not hold back because maybe you weren't here some of the nights or all the nights. You're here today. And you're like... Man, I do need to renew my mind. I need to forgive. Some of you might be angry at God and the enemy plays on that. Yeah, he doesn't care. Worship doesn't help you. Why lift your hands? The gifts aren't real for today. You don't need any of that. That stuff ceased. You, 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 don't, you don't need to go to church today. We hear all that too. Revival breaks that. I don't care who you are, where you're from. This is Sunday before we go home in 15 minutes. Maybe 20. <laughs> Depends on how much we pro And you can slip out, like Pastor said, slip out when you're ready to go. But at least respond to the word again today that you felt in your spirit. Oh my God, I'm 55 years old. I'm 60 years old in here. You're 32. You're 35. Do not live a life of regrets. God can use you in your fourth quarter of your life. In the enemy's territory, scoring a touchdown. Come on, somebody. Whether you like football or not, God can, it's called the four quarters of life. Before there was ever football, there was teaching on the four quarters of life. Maybe football, too. I don't know. Come on. I'm going to count to three. I don't, 
I don't care if you're married or not. I don't care if you're single or young. We prophesy. We're going to exhort and edify. Let's respond before we go home to, I want this stain on my brain gone. I want the ink gone. We could be raised in church our whole lives and still have to deal with stuff. One, you grab your wife by the hand. You grab your husband by the hand. You, you, you grab that friend by the hand. If you're single, grab your own hand. If you're single, grab your own hand and come up here. One, two, come on, everybody who can. Three. My God, though it ends, it's going to be the best again today. God has given his best. Look at this. Come on, don't, 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 don't just sit there. Grab a friend, and if you don't have anybody with you, come up here with the friend of friends, Jesus Christ. Come on, sing that song as they come up. We're going to start praying. mom and dad come on youth come on grandma grandpa come on there's something special about the altar you can stay in your chair no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus but make it an altar right there Lift up your hands with me. Pastor's going to come and tell us what we're going to. Come on, lift up your hands with us. It's not over. Seal the deal for real.